Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about dreams of the soloist. Oh man, I am so ready for this episode. <laughs> it sounds like a young adult fantasy novel, doesn't it? It's like Flight it does. of the Navigator. It does. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is this is inspired by an email question I got from someone on my mailing list who I, I haven't asked if I could share publicly. So I'm gonna keep this completely anonymous. And if you're listening, uh, I'll get back to you directly at some point, but hopefully by the time you hear this, but the, the general concept, one thing that was mentioned in the email was how this, this person who runs a a solo consultancy was talking to someone who had just come back from a a three month vacation on their yacht in Europe. And yeah, like, that's what everyone wants. Right. (laughs) And, And that's the thing. That's the thing that we're sort of keying off of in this episode. It's not even an answer to the specific question. Uh, of this person, but the but the the dream of sailing around Europe on your yacht for three months, like, oh, could I have the time? And and the j- just me, for example, I can't swim. That would be a nightmare for me. I I would hate that. I sunburn in the moonlight. I, I, <laughs> it, it's like it, that would be a that would be a torture trip for me. Well, now if we changed the yacht and made it a car. Or some train trips around Europe, you could sign me up. But yeah, I'm. I don't want a yacht around Europe either. Right, right. And the idea of owning a boat, like I've been cured of that. You know, even if I did want to own a boat, my dad had one, and I know how that goes. <laughs> the two best <laughs> days of owning a boat are when you buy it and when you sell it. Sell it exactly. Right. So anyway, uh, so what the inspiration that gave to us is to kind of tap into the the. It's like if you have, if you started a business, you maybe it was out of desperation, maybe you got fired, maybe you were super frustrated with your past job or whatever, and you just went out on your own. You're like, I'm going to do this, and it was more of a necessity, or, um, or or perhaps the transition itself was just so exciting for some reason. You were at a point where it made sense and it's just exciting. You're like, mm-hmm. I just want to do this, and it's kind of like get in the car and drive. Let's let's go. It's going to be fun. And you might not really have been thinking at the time long term about where do you really want to end up and what are the what are the perhaps unexamined dreams that that you have for the business and for your lifestyle associated with the business and the danger of of not examining those things and kind of just inheriting the stereotype sailing around Europe in a yacht like, oh, that must be my dream, like everything I tactically everything I need to do needs to go toward that like big house big boat you know whatever whatever the status symbols are um and so anyway we wanted to kind of go down uh rochelle your list of of these four different areas where people might have or, or perhaps should examine what is their dream for this category yeah because being a soloist is awesome Right. And it allows you to have some dreams that would be really hard to achieve when you're working for somebody else. So the the I think of it as four things. There's the employee question. Even if you start as a soloist, I've just found people, especially if they start early in their in their careers, keep grappling with this question. Employees are not employees. So it's what's your dream around employees? What's the dream around money? How much of it do you need? Do you want? Um, time off, what time are you not going to work at all, and flexibility. And that could be flexibility in where you work, how you work, when you work, flexibility. Mm-hmm. So it's those four things. Mm. And 
in your experience, do you find that most people have that, you know, when you're working with them, have they thought about these four things? You know, it's interesting. I think the people who've thought about it the most are mothers. Mm. It's really interesting. And I, I don't want to sound, you know, sexist about that, but it's it, a lot of times women who've, who've had children are saying, wait a minute, I'm in this big organization. I, I want to work. I love my work. I love my career, but I can't do that and do the other things I want to as well. And a lot of times, um, those are the people who start a business like a, you know, a solo expertise business, and they're very clear about boundaries. This is how much time I have to work. And, you know, if you've got a crying baby in the other room, you're done, <laughs> right? It's time to move on. Yeah, it's hard so, to think. so, yeah. And, but there are others too. There are people who are, uh, later career, not necessarily late career, but later, where they get to this point, it's been called your third career, where you know more what you don't want to do than what you do want to do. And so those are people who are really good at boundaries. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to work with this kind of client. I'm not going to work on these kinds of issues. I won't work for this kind of company. And so they kind of come to it backwards from the I don't want to, but eventually they settle on the what they do want. Mm-hmm. But, the, you know, I think that, you know, everybody else is kind of in the middle. It's like, I'm going to start this business, but I'm not really sure how these other things are going to work. Right, right. And not knowing what they are means that you're, you know, I, you know, I'm always talking about objective strategy and tactics. And it's like, if you don't have your objectives sort of defined or the vision for what you're going to look, what it, all these things are going to look like in the future, then it's really difficult to decide what to do. You know, it's just like, what, how am I going to, you know, is this the way I'm going to get there? And even if like, what if you accidentally end up someplace where you arrive and you're like, Oh, I hate this. Like the third career people. I was just talking to someone who, who um, was sharing a story about a fellow who built up like, you know, an $800,000 agency with a bunch of employees. And he's like, I, I hate this. I hate this. And he, you know, hit it with the shrink ray, brought it down to like just him and a contractor, part-time contractor, and is now building it up the way he would have rather had it now that he, now that he knows that, you know, he's not, not into the big firm thing. Well, yeah, that's why I sold my firm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't want to ratchet it back. I wanted to find the value in it and sell it and Mm -hmm. sell it. And I would make the same decision all over again. Right. Okay, so what is the conversation that you would have with someone around, you know, if we just start at the top of the list, and we've talked about employees a lot lately, but just at, in a, at a high level, like what, how would you talk that through with someone if they were like, I don't know, I guess I need employees? Well, I, I tend to do it from the focus of what's their their genius zone. And, you know, you can ask yourself some questions when it comes to employees, like, how do I feel? I'm thinking something you said once, Jonathan, how do I feel about working with people who are my employees, right? Because they're not going to care about the business the same way that you do. They're working for a paycheck or maybe the satisfaction of the work that you're doing together. Mm -hmm. Um, So how am I going to feel about that? Number one. Um, Number two, do I enjoy the idea of leading, and I'm going to use that word rather than managing. Do I enjoy the idea of leading employees? Do I want to inspire them? Do I want to show them how to do things? Do I want to mentor them? Do I want to listen when they have issues? It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and am I a perfectionist? 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I've worked with plenty of people, you know, myself included, who have some perfectionist tendencies. And it's and it's not that those things can't be overcome to lead employees, but you really have to want to. Right. And I like examining that question before you decide that you're creating a model that has to be leveraged with employees. Like when I started my first business, I knew I wanted employees. There was no question in my mind that I loved doing that part of it. It was it was a third of the experience for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But not everybody's cut out to be that. And sometimes I've had those conversations with people and they're, they feel really badly about it. Like I should be better at this. I'm like, there is no should, right? (laughs) Especially with that. It's, you are who you are. And there are lots of ways to make an expertise business work that don't have to involve employees. Yeah. I I see it. I, I notice it in students when they're excellent delegators and it's a minority. And by excellent delegator, I mean someone who will actually let someone else carry the ball. Like they'll let the person do the thing and they're not going to micromanage it or pick it to pieces afterwards so that the person feels like they have no autonomy, no no buy-in, no nothing, and it turns into a paycheck. You know, so I can think of a few people who are just master delegators and they're just like, boom, all right, it's back. You know, they're, they're great at the handoff. They're great at accepting the work product and not, you know, picking it apart. Um, Yeah. I am not good at that. I'm good, you know, anyway, so, it, and it's like, you know, are you doomed, right? So the person who's like that, not great at delegating then, uh, or, you know, I, I don't know if I would say I expect too much. I'm, I, when I went through that period where I was like, um, uh, not, t- what, not testing, but I was like trying out VAs and I, I had a few different VAs. I was like, I was like, this is never going to work. <laughs> I eventually found someone who could read my mind, but, or, or maybe, yeah, or maybe forced me to be clear about my request. Um, one or the other, uh, figured out a way to read my mind, I guess, put it like that. And other people who just like did exactly as they were told. And I, I had under explained and it was just like, this is such a waste of time. I could have been done with this a week ago, you know, which is partially me, partially them. But, you know, do I, do, I, the thing that I don't love, the thing that I really don't love is people who are maybe like that and maybe like it that way, but then feel forced into like, oh, but I have to get better at this. I don't really care to get better at this, but I have no choice. If I want to succeed in business, I have to get better at this. And I'm like, no, you don't. You uh, might have to build a different kind of business, but that's fine. Well, you also have to get comfortable with hiring your opposite, typically. And because, you know, hiring mini me's is what you might do when you you want somebody to do client work. But when you want somebody to do, you know, marketing in your business or uh, social media or administrative, you usually want your opposite. You want somebody who loves the stuff that you hate to do. It's (laughs) like if you write a job description for it, you would look at the job description and go, who would ever take that? Well, guess what? Somewhere out there is someone who thinks this is a fabulous job. And that's like the mind reader, the person who's so good at that, that they just say, Jonathan, let me take that off your plate for you. And you don't, and once they've proven themselves, you don't worry about it anymore. Right. Like your, your brain space is gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. And that was the thing that, that when I did have a stretch where with a successful VA, it was like, oh, she did this way better than I could have done it. 
like not only did she mm-hmm. give me back the time it would have taken me to do it, it would have taken me longer and it would have been worse. So that so then it becomes easy to delegate specific things. But you know, we anyway, the, the yeah. we can move on from we've talked tons it's, about well, employees it's, lately. It's a it's a mindset thing. You know, it's like there are people who look at a VA and go, that is my person to dump everything. You know what flows downhill, and I'm just going to dump everything on them. And those are not people who attract the best VAs because, you know, who wants to work with that kind of person? Right. But where you're partnering with them, you can really make it work with someone who's different than you. But you can't. Typically, it's hard to just hang them out to dry. You still, you know, have some interaction. So it goes back to, you know, what's your genius zone when it comes to interaction? Can mm-hmm. you? you know, give people instructions or can you give them, you know, the one sentence and then let them go fill in the rest of the paragraph. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're, you're, you're tapping into my like, Ugh. um, anyway. Okay. So employees, employees, employees. But so that's one of the things it's like, do you, are you, is it your genius zone to interact with employees on a date, probably daily basis if for sure weekly, um, where you're interacting with them, you're handing off, you're supporting them, you're leading them. Some people are great at that. It's it's sure, mm-hmm. it's definite. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's move off of that and move on to money. So when you talk about a soloist dreams of money, what do we, you put some like boundaries around that? Like, what does that mean? Well, yeah, I mean, um, most people when they when they start have some nut in mind, right? And if you really think about it, you might have the nut on the day you leave your prior employment or the day you start this. And that nut is probably going to change. Like maybe I know when I did my first business, I had a very small nut in mind at the beginning. Right. And I I wasn't sure I could even cover expenses um, with revenue from the beginning. So you look at that and then you think about how that changes. And the reason that's important is because most people come from a job and they have some kind of responsibilities, rent, mortgage, um, dependents, um, a spouse, um, maybe parents, or you know, you're sending money back to your home country. I mean, there are all kinds of things that come around money. And so I think the important thing is to start with this idea of, you know, it's like having a business plan, right? How much money do I need to make at this when I'm fully operational? And how long will it take me to get to that point when I'm fully fully booked or fully sold out, like however you, you know, define your work. And in a way, what you're answering when you think about that question is, what will I do to get that number? (laughs) And if your first number is 100,000, and and that's really what you need to, to, you know, I'm going to use the word survive in in quotes because of the way you've built your lifestyle, you're going to work like crazy to get that first 100, okay? So then what happens? So what's, what's the next level? And there are some people who would say, you know what, this is all I want to work. This is good. I've covered my nut. I'm happy. I'm I don't want to say coast, but I'm going to, you know, plateau with this for a while. And other people will say, "Well, I hit my first goal. Let's do another one. <laughs> Let's do a big one. I want to make 150 next year or 200." 
And so, you know, that number changes over time. It changes for, you know, what is that expression? Reasons, seasons, or a lifetime, right? It changes for, for particular reasons. Like maybe you have a new baby and you've got new expenses, or maybe you're, you know, you've had your kids and you're raising them and you want to be present. And so you're like, okay, I'd like to make this much money, but I can, well, we'll talk about, you know, time off, but I can only work so many, so many hours. And this is how I want to structure this so that my life works. So it's really thinking about, about all of that and kind of putting it in perspective with what it is you're trying to build. Mm. Yeah, I, I have definitely noticed uh, a lot of people when they're starting out, or sometimes I, I chat with people who are still at their full-time job and they're thinking about making the leap. And that, that stage one is like replace my current salary. Like mm-hmm. that is very common in my experience. Uh, and then once you, you know, and they work just exactly like you said, they'll work like crazy to get there, you know, 80 hours a week, whatever. It's like, cause they're, they're like thrown in the deep end and they're just like splashing around trying to like swim and it's, it feels existential. Right. So they're like, yeah. So they're like, I will do anything, you know, for this, whatever it is, a year, they, they're just like, go crazy. And then they're like, okay, like exactly like you said, they work like crazy to get to that income level that they had before. Uh, and then it's like, guess what? Now you're working like crazy. <laughs> Not <everyone knows> that. <laughs> Hamster so, wheel. Right. So then, you, then you're like, okay, I'm swimming, but it's doggy paddle. I need to figure out how to like, I want to be backstroking around this pool. So, you know, that becomes... That's like that next level. It's like when people say, oh, you want to get your business to the next level? Like that's one of the levels. It's like you've got to the survive mode. You you, you mm-hmm. didn't fail. You're surviving. And now you're like, now you can, you're, um, I almost said spoiled, but you're at this point where you're like, okay, all right. Now how can I make this better? Because I am working like crazy. And that wasn't, you know, I could, I was working less at my job making the same money. Let me just drop this, this phrase, proof of concept. That's really nice. what we're talking about, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've, you've proven that you can do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, okay. So probably one of the things that would come up next once you get to that, well, for, before we move off of money, it's like, it's like when you get to that, maybe when you get to that stage, the first stage is like, oh, my salary, that's like an obvious one. It's like, oh, I was making mm-hmm. 200 or whatever. I want to make 200 as a soloist or what was the point? Um, and then once you get there, then it's like, all right, do I need more and, and, or how much more do I want? Like, what is the goal? And it, and is it even if it's not a specific number i i if i was talking to someone and they were just like well more it just needs to be more i always want it to be more that's a little yeah that's a little scary because it's never enough yeah it's just never enough right so it's like how much would be enough so like oh next level how much would be enough and i really i do like to get uh, reasonably specific like approximate fine but like reasonably specific number from coaching students to be like okay what well what just tell me a number would like 350 be awesome and like yeah that'd be great i did like 150 a year ago or two years ago 350 would be amazing you know even 300 would be amazing i'm like okay we've got a ballpark right Mm -hmm. so that i think that's very helpful i don't think it's really i don't strategically or even from an objective standpoint i don't think it's I don't think it's the only thing you need. It's useful to rule out other things. Like if someone if someone is working on an hourly basis and they're working their face off and they're making 150 and they're like, my goal is 350, then I know that there's no way they can do that 
without making like business model changes. So it, do, it rules out certain things like just working more or raising your rate mm-hmm. or something like that. So it's useful uh, because it will it will point you in some directions. But I don't I it's not useful as an objective on its own because it doesn't give me enough information to work with. Like there needs to be some other there needs to be something yeah. more. It doesn't give you any direction. It's like, well, OK, if if 300 is enough, then just open a chain of laundromats, like take out a business loan and buy a laundromat and you're done. But that's not you see what I mean? Like, yeah, money's uh, relative. Yeah. It's relative to these other things, and it's it's not in a vacuum. And the, I guess the other thing I don't know if I'm ready to add this to the list of of four is you know what's the revolution that you want to lead? Because you may decide that enough looks different if you're making progress toward your your revolution. Now I'm not saying that means that if you have a revolution that that you have to take less money. Not saying that at all. You can probably make a lot more. But there are people who will, you know, step on the 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 gas or the brake depending on how they see their work resonating in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I would put that on there as an optional one. I work with a lot of people who don't have that and don't care to. Like they're just like, no, I'm just going to create value for businesses. I'm not like changing the world. Um, so I, I agree with that, though, because if you are if you do have that and you're on a mission, then there's a certain compensation you get from that non-financial compensation you get from that, the fulfillment, and the satisfaction and 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 the stick to itiveness when, you know, a bad week comes around and you're just like, it's OK, it's just ups and downs. I, I've got my North Star and I'm just going to chase it. So, uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. I see I, I work with a lot of people, though, that are they're just not there they're just like, oh, I, I don't need that. I can just create business value and that's good enough for me. And it's like, all right, I think that's reasonable. Um, okay. So let's say you're, let's say you're, you're paddling like crazy. You're working like crazy. You've got your, you've, you've gotten to the money goal that you need to survive and maybe even, maybe even better than survive. You're like, but you're at that plateau and you're like, okay, this uh, machine or this system is in equilibrium at this level. So there's like a certain amount of work you're doing you know, time wise, time that you're putting in, there's a certain amount of day to day routine that's, you know, probably somewhat repetitive. And there's a certain amount of income you can expect to get from that with some degree of certainty. And you're like, okay, I've been coasting here for maybe a year, maybe two years, maybe longer. And you start to, it's, it starts, the money starts to not be enough. Or like you said, mm-hmm. you have a, some kind of change in your life, you have a, a another kid or you want to move or something happens and you're like, okay, this itch. isn't. There's an itch. Yeah. This yeah. is good, but uh, it could be better. So then, so maybe that moves us into time off. Maybe that's one of the things you want. Yeah. I mean, I think that logically in the scenario scenario you're describing, what happens is, you know, they're on this gilded hamster wheel making plenty <laughs> exactly. of money, but they're just, they're just, you know, feeling frustrated and stressed and I need more time. And so, you know, that's the point if it's been kind of a sort of like an hourly, daily kind of billing thing where you say, you know, time, money for time, direct, a direct trade-off, then you start to say, well, what else could I do in order to have more time? And that's when you start thinking about that differently. Maybe you think about employees then. Or maybe you think about, you know, you're thinking about a business model change in any event because you're like, I can't keep doing this for the next, there comes this point where you start to look at the future and you go, I'm going to do this for the next 20 years. exactly. Ugh, I can't do it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think when that starts, that's when you really 
have a craving for more time off, whether that's just, oh, I'm going to have four weeks of vacation instead of two, or it's, I don't want to work on Fridays. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, it's pretty, that is very common. I would say almost across the board. I, and I see it in this, in that order where like someone gets to the money goals and then they get the itch and a lot of them are like, I'm just too busy. I'm just so busy all the time. It's like, I, it's like, I know how to make money, but I need to do it in a more efficient way. Like I can do it. It's, I just put in more hours and I will make more money and it's okay. It's like great. A lot of people would kill to be in that position. Uh, but since I'm here, you know, the grass is always greener. <laughs> it's like, how do I keep this level of income with, you know, start to create leverage in some other way. It's like, I want to get my time back for some reason. And that is like the, it's like the money resources is the first one. And then the time resources is really common second runner up once, once they've proven that they can do it, the proof of concept has been successful. Well, and it's, it's also in my experience, how you use that, that time too. like someone might say, you know what, I want to write a book. Mm-hmm. And I probably don't just want to write one book. I think I have multiple, but I want to start with one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, how are you going to find the time in that, you know, work every hour that's possible to write a book that will change how you're perceived in your area of expertise? You know, again, it could be a business model change, but I, I get a lot of the, I'm ready to write a book now. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of times what a book will do is it will increase your price. It will open speaking engagements. It opens some new doors when when it's well done and it ties to your point of view and your business. So there's this, how am I going to use not just my time off, but the time in the business? How can I best use my time to leverage it for me? Right. That's a great point. So, right, it doesn't need to be you with your feet up drinking, you know, margaritas. Uh, This question came up in Slack the other day, and I I had to think about it. I didn't have a pat answer for it, but somebody said something like, like, I understand the difference between working on the business and working in the business, but, you know, and then they inserted, like, example, is this activity working on the business or is it working in the business? You know, so they were were putting me Mm -hmm. on the spot to, like, really define what working in the business means specifically. And I was like, I had to think about it a little bit, but I was like, I think it means client work. For me, it means it means client work where you're part of the delivery. You're doing delivery. Uh, and maybe you have a different definition of it, but if I was going to give a simple answer to that question, that's what it would be. So the time that, how would you classify the time that you spend building a thing, like building a new program? On the business. Okay. And the time that you spend delivering it? In. In the business, right? Yeah, for me, it's for me, it's delivery. It's if you're building something that is reusable, like if you're writing. And so, I think the question was, when I'm writing a proposal, is that on the business or in the business? And I was like, it depends on if the proposal is reusable. So, if it's just a one-off to close the deal and you're never going to use it again, it's working in the business. That sales piece, but it's right at the borderline for me. And maybe I'm going down this rabbit hole too far. But uh, but I, I really like your point about pointing out that time off doesn't mean vacation necessarily. It could be carving out time to write a book that is strategically advantageous to the business or building, finally building that course that you've been doing like, you know, kind of on a one-off basis with people, or you've been doing Mm -hmm. with a group and you'd be like, you know what, I, I don't need to deliver this in person or, or in real time every time. Like it's, I'm saying the same thing over and over. 
it could be videos. So why don't I just record the videos once and for all and, uh, and either sell them as is or as part of, you know, however you're going to sell them. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, that time off certainly could, in fact, maybe in the earliest stages probably would be time that you get back away from delivery client work and doing and doing something to create leverage in some other way you know product productized service workshop some new offering i mean one of the things i see a lot is you know someone has the you know they're in the 150 range and they've been doing and it might might be retainer work doesn't have to be hourly but they're doing that and they want to write a book, but more importantly, they really want to shift their business model to advisory. So instead of having, you know, a handful of whales, well, actually, they'd want, still wind up with a handful of whales afterwards. But instead of doing execution work for the whales, they're available for advisory. And then they have, you know, same income or probably more and a lot more time to be able to work on books, to do speeches, to do, you know, to think big thoughts, right? <laughs> and, and to really move into that rarefied authority advisor space. But yeah, yeah, you have to find a way to free enough time in your schedule to be able to start to work in that direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that can get you to the next level up. Yeah. 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 Cool. Exactly. All right. So maybe, I don't know if these were purposely in order. I don't, the employee one I think is almost, uh, maybe they are actually. And then, because I feel like flexibility is like now we're getting farther up the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, (laughs) you know, and the. The employees, it's almost not in the hierarchy. The employees like floats everywhere because yeah. no matter what stage you're in, you know, people will still think about it. And, and there are people like us who've said, no, no more employees, not going to do it. And then there are other people that are like, oh, I don't know, maybe someday I will, you know, so it sort of floats around there, but right. they don't necessarily go through a process that says, you know, do I ever want them? Yes or no. It's right. more, do I want them right now? Yeah, you do kind of, certain people will probably revisit that question at different stages for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then you, but you get to the point where you've got your money needs covered. You've got your time to work on the business or not work at all covered. You're starting to feel comfortable with that. And then what do you define as the flexibility piece, if not time off? Well, to me, it's it's how you work, where you work, when you work. Right. So, you know, an example would be uh, I want to go, I'm going to keep working, love to work, but I want to go to France for the summer. And so I'm going to work from France. And maybe that means I, I work U.S. hours while I'm in France. I don't know how that works. I mean, you know, but I'm going to figure it out. Right. Because I want the flexibility to be able to do that. So if that's your idea of flexibility, you're not going to be doing in-person meetings with clients. You're going to make sure that the meetings and the work that you set up while you're away uh, will work the way that you envision. Um, so it's it's that you know, it's where you work. And then the how you work, you know, I mean, I think we've... I hope we've, you know, gotten through this with COVID that it's not about having to be in the office, but mm. there are business models where you have to meet with people on a certain level. So maybe you create something where you don't, then you know yeah. what, I'm, I'm only going to see you once a year and it's going to be virtual, or I'm going to do it this way. You're looking at ways to deliver your zone of genius in a way that works for, 
for the results, the outcomes that you're working on, and that works for how you want to work, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, of course, the when, you know, the when, that's the classic. And that's a, a lot of times I see that most often with parents. They're like, you know what? I just don't want to work on the weekends. That's that's my family time. And so, or I, I, want, it, I want Friday to work on my business. I want Monday to work on my business or to have some free time or both. And so I'm going to squish what I do have into Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Or somebody else will say, you know what? I just want to work some every day. I just don't want to work a whole day. And I want to work before, uh, after my kids go to school and until they come back. And other than that, I'm not available. So it's that flexibility. And it's not even that you tell your clients or your buyers about that. It can be totally invisible, but it's the boundary that you set for when you're available and when you're working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a story about uh, one of my students working with a startup and, you know, sort of like, it's not quite a hustle culture. They're a little bit, they're they're more mature than that, but still people were putting appointments in his calendar at like seven or eight in the morning. He's like, what would you do about this? And I was like, decline them. You know, like, <laughs> I'm not available at those hours. Like, you know, it's like, no. And it's fine, right? Like, you can do that. But I like your, I like your one point I really want to call out there is like, you don't need to, it's not like you need to like alert the media and be like, okay, I, I'm not answering email between <laughs> these hours or on these days or whatever. Yeah. Like you can, but I mean, I, in certain things, there are certain times where I think ba- based on your current client's expectations, like the, the expectations that you set maybe as earlier in the, maybe as early as in the sales process or the proposal, or even just in the you know time you've worked with them, certain expectations. If you're going to meaningfully violate the expectation by, you know, living in France or something, I would bring it up. I wouldn't just mm-hmm. like disappear and like all of a sudden I'm only available, you know, like very early morning hours, their time. It's like, well, I would, I would, you know, say something about that, but in large part, and maybe it's a transition that happens over time, you can just like have this be your style. You know, once you get, once you get into a rhythm of what your flexibility looks like, you just be in this style and it will be the expectation, right? So maybe there's a transition phase where your your current clients yes. are like, wait a second, like how come you took two days to get back to me? Uh, how come you're not answering my emails within three minutes? Or, you know, they, they've mm-hmm. got some, right. But once you- We teach people how to treat us. Uh-huh. Yes, <laughs> ain't that the truth? Um, so yeah, so yeah, maybe I, it's, I think- I think the flexibility thing, I feel like I did that pretty early. I, yeah, I'm, my brain is like trying to, I always like to organize things into hierarchies. I feel like these things are pretty free floating. I think all four of these things are kind of free floating. Like you probably, you tell me because you teach these like more specifically than I do, but but it feels like you could, you probably should have. Ooh, there's that word. And there's that word. It'd probably be good for you to have thought about all four of these things, no matter what stage of the process you're in, you know, and be like, yeah, you know, where am I on the spectrum of like pro-employee, anti-employee? Where, what is my financial, you know, what, what are my financial needs for the business? Uh, how much time do I need? How much time do I want away from doing client work, doing delivery so that I can either work on the business or, or play with the kids? And then like, what is the style? How, when, and where I want to work? What does that look like? Is it asynchronous? Is it hundred percent remote? 
Is it, uh, are there real-time components? Are there in-person components? Like what are the things that, that you like? Where do you operate in your genius zone? Like I, you could almost, you could almost genius zone all four of these really. Well, you kind of do, or I yeah. should say your clients do. And these are all questions that I ask as part of the intake before I take on a new client, because part of that is I want to understand them. Obviously, I want to see their vision, what's going to make them happy. I want to learn what their genius zone is. Um, but the other thing is I want to make sure that the work we're doing is realistic, right? Mm-hmm. So if somebody says, I'm making 200000 I want to make 800000 um, I want to work less, <laughs> um, but I don't want to do anything to get to that point. I go, well, that's not really realistic. Let's talk about that. Like, what is the what does the trajectory look like? But it it is important. And and one of the things that, that I always do is I ask clients about their vision. And it's so interesting because most people will say, okay, so I want to make this much money. And I give right. them some prompts. Like, what's your vision about these things? I want to make so much money and I want to have this time for my favorite cause or with my kids or my spouse or partner. And, and they, you know, they do all the things you would expect. You know, I want to go here on vacation. I want to build a house in Alaska. I don't know. And, (laughs) and then at the very end, that's where the real dream kind of creeps in. It's the, it's the dream that you're almost afraid to dream <laughs> but, or, to, or to put it down, but like, you know, that would really be what you want. And mm. so, yeah, to echo your point, it's really important, I think, to think about all these things. And the, 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 the magic about this is that there, obviously there's no one right answer that applies to everybody, but your own answers will change depending on what's going on in your life. And so you can set this with an intention like I did for my business and it lasted for six years Mm -hmm. and it worked great until I wanted something different. Right. Right. And so it might last, you know, six years like it did for me. It might last 10 years. It might last one. But if, if you don't think about it, if you don't examine it, then it's easy to let your business start to run you instead of the other way around. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or someone else's dreams to be yours. And it's like, oh. Oh, yeah. The American Mm. dream. Have employees, make lots of money, have a big house and have a yacht in Europe. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's great if that's your dream. Yeah, if it is. Right. Yeah. Right. Cool. All right. Well, I think we've been all the way around the track on this one. Any, Any parting thoughts? I just, I kind of want to come back to this revolution idea because I hear what you say that there are people who it's like, I want to have a business and and that's fine. Um, But I guess the thing I want to say about revolution is it's really helpful to think about something that's bigger than ourselves. And it doesn't even have to be that you want to lead that revolution, but it's what's the revolution you care most about. Mm -hmm. And I, I think when you, when you do that, it, impacts how you make choices and trade-offs on employees, money, time off, and flexibility. And it also helps keep you tied to what you want out of this business. Like, what does this business do for you? It's not just a beast that you feed, you know, and you get to, you know, pet it and take it for a walk once in a while. But it's, it, it, it is, you know, it's, it's an opportunity to really tie it to, to how you want the world to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, I find it super helpful. Like when someone has it, it makes my job a lot easier. That's oh, for sure. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye.